Why was six afraid of seven? I don't know why. Because seven was a registered six offender. <laughs> <laughs> Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. We are back. (laughs) After a is that the start? This should be. perfect. Great, uh, keep it. Uh, after a hiatus that the uh, listeners might not know about, but uh, we are here today, back off the road. So yeah, man, we even yeah. had a chance to get a conversation in. Well, until now, really, yeah. which is good. So there's a lot to catch up on. Yep. Um, for those of you just tuning in, I am Jason Land, and this is Dave Johnstone. So. Hello. Usually we have guests come in and, and Dave and I will talk about uh, the growth of the of the musician, how they think, how they act on stage, what they prep for. But I thought it would be cool to begin our next season here with you, with yeah. Dave Johnston, being that you just came off of a world tour. So yes. let's start by just recapping, catching our audience up on what you've been doing. Okay, so since the beginning of 2019, I've been mostly gone. I've been out with Aubrey Logan who uh, is an amazing artist who I've been working with for quite a while. And uh, we, let's see, in January, Aubrey and I went to Geneva, Switzerland to do a performance with the Geneva Camerata Symphony. And then we were back, we did some East Coast stuff in February. And then in March, we went to Australia for two weeks and um, it was through Aubrey, but I was working with a lot of additional people besides just Aubrey. Yeah. So I was music directing one of the house bands on the Dave Cause and Friends at Sea cruise in Australia. So I worked with probably 10 or 15 different artists as part of the house band. So Aubrey's band was the house band and a lot of the different artists that would come in, they didn't have their own band and so they would use us. And so we Got did it. a few days of rehearsals in Burbank and then we were off to Australia doing all these different shows and that was a really amazing experience. I met a lot of people through that um, that yeah. I'm continuing to work with you know, going forward. And uh, back on the Aubrey thing, after Australia, we went to New York for a week and we did a residency at Birdland in New York. We came home for about a week for Easter for a break and then we went out, uh, where did we go after that? We went to Europe for, I guess, three or so weeks. We did a week in the Canary Islands and we were guest artists with a big band out there. And then we did a bunch of shows in France and Sweden and UK. And then we just got home about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And I had one day off and started rehearsals for a new project in LA. <laughs> and I've been going ever since. The grind, so, baby. I love yep, it. No, yep. it's so good. We were just saying before we went on online here uh, that uh, it's so nice to see everybody in our circle like really starting to ascend yep. to a new level in their careers. And, and it just comes back to the work ethic, you know what I mean? All the time that you put, nothing's different about you. Mm-hmm. you know I mean, you're mm-hmm. still a great drummer. You still have a great attitude. It's just that people now, I think, are starting to understand, just with all of our friends in the circle, that there's a different level of professionalism that earns a level of trust, mm-hmm. right? And, yep. and the opportunities mixed with that trust and that preparation is what gets you further in your career. I mean, like, you just toured the world mm-hmm. like that doesn't just happen right you know so let's let's kind of start the conversation there because um i i often joke about the the dave johnstone circle of friends <laughs> you know that that uh, just 
it's you're you're like the uh, the Kevin Bacon of the, <laughs> of the jazz music scene here. <laughs> Everybody knows you that I run into. Um, but um, where did where did that come from? You that le- level of pro- professionalism because I I noticed it right away. And you and I have known each other for yeah. I don't know five six years now maybe. Yep. Um, it was very clear right in the beginning mm-hmm. that that the way you operate is different than other musicians I've hung out with, not playing, mm-hmm. uh, but just the professionalism. So can you just kind of riff on that and build off of that? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad you used the word trust actually, because I talk about that a lot, a lot, um, musical trust. And I could probably count on one hand, the amount of people that I deeply trust with my life musically. And a lot of them have been on season one of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, that's just such a huge concept. And I think, like you said, it's not about being the most amazing player, although that has to be a given that you have to be a great player. Sure. But well beyond that, because there are tons of great players, well beyond that is the people you're working with and the artists you're working with, there has to be a, a trust. And that is really what it comes down to for me. Whether it's me being a music director, whether it's me working under another music director, whether it's with an instrumental project with a band, whether it's me working for an artist, all of those things have to have a trust that you can't be worried about what the other person, it's like being in battle. It's like being in a war. You know, you can't be worried about someone, a fellow soldier is going to not do his job. So you have to have a trust that when I work with people like Aubrey Logan or Nick Petrillo or any of these people, there's no question in my mind that they are not only completely competently covering their job, but they are also so on top of it that they have huge ears for what's going on and adapting and reacting to what's happening. And that's how I try to be as well. You know, it's not just about me being inside of myself and doing my thing. It's about you having such a command of what you're doing that it enables you to uh, think about everything else happening at the same time. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Where did that start? for you like like did you have a teacher that that got you that did you always do that right from the beginning of your your musical journey um i think it evolved over time i definitely had a very influential teacher mentor in st louis kevin Giannino, who i've talked about a lot to a lot of people um who i'm still really close with we talk every week and just like tell jokes and talk about drummers and whatever you know um he definitely instilled that in me as far as the professionalism the work ethic things like that And as far as um, my philosophy about how I interact with artists and things, I think that developed more once I got to L.A. and started just experiencing all the different kinds of gigs that are happening out here, you know. And so there there was definitely a time uh, when I would say I was a little more self-focused in general as opposed to now I feel that I'm always very focused on the artist and not mm. myself. And that was a little bit of a learning process, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, there's just no substitute, like we always say, for experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you just just kind of like stumble your way through and figure out trial and error, what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That's been a lot of it. So what's what's been the biggest thing that you figured out is working for you in the past year? Uh, well, like you said, I don't think I'm doing a whole lot different. Um, Aubrey has been taking up more and more of my time, which is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, her, her career is continuing to grow. And so as she's growing in popularity 
it's taking me out more and all the travel and all that. Uh, so I think through that, you know, it really Aubrey has absolutely opened a lot of doors for me in many, sure. many ways, uh, many ways. Um, so I think it's just more a thing of time going by. And like you said, you just keep doing what you do. And I think I've always said, I've been with Aubrey for six years and I've always said from when we were playing at, uh, you know, room five on La Brea, like tiny little bars to 10 people. I've always said about her, it's never, it's never uh, a question of someone seeing her and not thinking she's amazing. It's just a question of getting people to see her. That's all there is because as soon as people see her, they're like blown away. She's amazing. She's totally amazing. So I think it's just time on our side, you know, that we've been doing it for a while and more and more people are checking her out. She's super big in Europe. I mean, we always do really well in Europe and we're over there maybe twice a year at this point. And, um, I think it's, I think it's really just that the time is going by and, and, um, being prepared when the opportunities come to you, you have to be prepared and you have to be able to deliver because there's nothing worse than a great opportunity coming and all eyes are on you and then you blow it. Right. You know what I mean? So I think in a way I've, let me think, we've done quite a few, what to me feel like very high pressure, high visibility sort of situations, especially in the last year. And I think that one of the reasons I feel ready for it, I never take it lightly, but I, from day one, I have treated every gig that I play as if I'm playing at Madison Square Garden. You know what I mean? Like in terms of taking things seriously, I never will take a gig and then phone it in. I'll never, ever do that. I don't care if it's like a hundred dollar gig or a whatever. I just won't take it if I'm not going to do it. But I, what, what I won't do is I won't take it and do a bad job. I won't be unprepared. I won't phone it in because I think your, your greatest asset as a musician, as a hired musician is your reputation and that people exactly. have to know, you know, it's just, you got to get that out there that people know if I call that guy, he's going to do his homework. He's going to be on time. He's going to be cool. It'll be fine. It's, you know, yeah. And, and which comes back to the trust. Right, which is just yeah. say, that's where was starting the conversation. Yep, is just that level of of professionalism, mm-hmm. that the understanding that you are what your last project was. It yeah, doesn't absolutely. matter who you worked with; it's mm-hmm. how you what you brought to the table. Yep. So, uh, before we go down a couple other paths, where where did that come from for you? Not the musicality of it, just the showing up and giving a hundred percent. Uh, no matter what the situation is, because I, I've seen that. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean you, you have uh, been kind enough to work with some of our students mm-hmm. um, and we've worked together in, in other situations. And I see you now like on these, on these gigs and it, there's the constant, mm-hmm. like this constant level of preparation and showing up. And ne- I've never once seen you phone it in. Mm-hmm. Cool. I've seen other people phone it in, sure. you know, and, and that's when errors happen. Mm-hmm. So wh- where did that start with you? Where did it start? The, the mindset um, of that. It started out of fear, probably. Oh. <laughs> it really probably did because early on I uh, would be in situations where I felt unprepared, not through my own unpreparedness, but through a lack of an opportunity to prepare. Yeah. So, for example, I remember doing a gig in Pasadena. I had been in town for like a year. And it was music I wasn't familiar with, musicians I hadn't worked with very much, um, very poor charts that were basically useless and very poor cueing and music direction. And I remember as a drummer, 
you're really like the air traffic controller and things have to flow through you. And I felt like my hands were tied to do what I needed to do. And endings got train wrecked, you know, tempos were wrong, all kinds of stuff. And I, I just don't like that feeling. I don't Mm -hmm. like having that feeling. I don't like being on stage and feeling like I'm not delivering a good product. So as a result of some early experiences like that, and I would say too, as a side note, if I were in that situation now, I think it would be more or less okay because of the experience I have of knowing how to navigate situations like that. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. This is the last time that happened, you know, it's Mm -hmm. happened many times since then. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a combination of everyone else being unprepared and me being very inexperienced just didn't work. So moving from situations like that, where I'm not enjoying myself on stage, I just developed a thing where I, if I'm ever given an opportunity to prepare, I'm going to do it. If an artist is going to take the time to send me their music in advance, I'm going to study it and know it inside and out. I'm going to know tempos. I'm going to know parts. I'm going to know all that stuff because a, they're taking the time to do it and I owe it to them to put in the amount of care to their gig that they're putting into me doing it. And second of all, that's just more fun for me. It's, it's more fun for me to be prepared and be able to think about other things. Like if I'm so worried about what I have to play or where the song is going next, I can't be open to interacting with something cool that the keyboard player is doing or reacting musically to what the vocalist is doing. You know, I'm too busy on like the base level of what's happening. I can't rise above to the next level of musicality to interact artistically and creatively with the moment on stage. That's the gold right there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're limited to your preparation. Yeah. So if you're, if you're well-prepared, then it opens the door for possibilities, Mm -hmm. you know, of like to expand, like you just said, expand your, your musicality to, and then in the moment create something super cool, which ultimately makes the show better or the recording better. Mm -hmm. I'm, Something I want to just go on, and that is just saying there's a saying that goes game knows game, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. how you operate, it you're like a magnet. People, the similar mindsets, mm-hmm. they come towards you. We get back to the Dave Johnson circle of friends. What do they all have in, in common? Mm-hmm. Everybody just treats the situation, no matter what they do, their role all in you yeah. know so now you improve as a not only a professional but as a musician because you have everybody else who's bringing their a game and mm-hmm. everybody respects everybody else which is you know you get the situation that you're in right now you know which which is so great um how, how can a musician that's the uh, starting out you know earlier in, the, in their career how can they work on this craft if, if maybe they don't they don't have that skill set well You know, I've been in a little bit of a different headspace in the last maybe two to three years, uh, which started when, um, after having played drums for Aubrey under another music director for a few years, they approached me about being the music director for her, which initially I was very taken aback and didn't think I could do that on any level. And I didn't think that was the right call. Uh, And I told her, I said, I'm going to try it, but knowing if I don't like it or if you don't like the job I'm doing, I want to still go back to being your drummer and have another MD on the gig. All that to say, having gone through it and I really embraced the experience and I'm really enjoying it and I think it's working well for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, uh, it has given me a different outlook on other people and on myself. And what I mean by that is um, if I were trying to give someone advice how to develop that kind of mindset you're talking about, Mm -hmm. 
I'm now in the position of hiring musicians for Aubrey's band as it like literally hiring and also like deciding personnel who are going to have what uh, people are a good fit in every aspect of the gig. So I would tell people all the things we're talking about. If I'm going to send you a Dropbox folder with charts and MP3s, if you show up and you're like, oh man, I got your email. I didn't have time to check it out yet. You're dead to me, 100%. I don't want to deal with you. Yeah, man. I do not have time for that, you know? If um, anything like that. And it changes my outlook on myself too because it makes me realize more what other people want out of me when they're hiring me because I have this other view now of what I expect of people that I hire. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? As opposed to just going through life as the mindset of a hired gun and Oh, I just go play and I do gigs and whatever, you know, it's, it's kind of honed my focus a little bit. I think, you know what I mean? As a business so, owner, I totally understand yeah, what you course. mean. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's where you're coming from. Yep. You, know, you have to orchestrate success. And I think having the right circle of people, like I'm going to take Nick, Nick Petrillo as an example. Mm -hmm. We work together in Aubrey's band and I'm Aubrey's MD. I work on countless other gigs under him as him as the MD. And we have a very open dialogue constantly about our two roles. We're two different people to each other in different situations, right? So I've worked with some people who MD other gigs and they cannot come on and be a sideman because they, the only way they know how to operate is if they're running the show. Sure. With Nick, it's such a beautiful thing because he and I both understand what we need of each other in different situations. So we're about to do a big project this coming week where he's the music director. It's a very big production, tons of moving parts. I know full well what he needs of me. And I know that basically I want to keep my head down. I don't want to be the squeaky wheel. I want to be the guy where he's like, oh, Dave's on it. I don't have to worry. That's kind of the goal. You know what I mean? That's right. the goal. As a sideman, you just want someone to think of you and think, Oh, that person's on the gig. Cool. I don't have to worry. Everything will be great. And that's all it is. And there are times where um, I absorb a lot myself <laughs> to make, to have the end user being the artist, have that experience of me. I absorb a lot. Mm -hmm. And if there are problems, if there are things I have to figure out, I will take that on myself just to preserve the experience of the artist. You know, yeah, no, most definitely. So I think this would be a good place for for us to say that if you have not heard the interview with Nick, uh, go mm -hmm. back and, and listen to it, season yeah. one, yeah, because there were some real gems in that, yeah. and uh, I, I can see how you guys worked so well together. Yeah. you know, it's it's yep. like very much the the uh, the same mindset. Definitely, um, I had taken a note down that that I want to go back to um, about uh, patience. So. Uh, you, I've seen, I've seen patients with you in, in two forms, one in how you work with either an artist or just in a situ in a, in a band situation, like going back to like you working with our students, mm -hmm. um, you, there's never, there was never any judgment with any of the players or as they were learning or, or like if we've been in other situations together where, where we're playing, you're always just very, very patient. With, mm -hmm. with everybody I, where I've worked with other people who are just like, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. Right. Um, let's, let's talk about that. And then when I have another comment about patience. So 
has it always been like that for you or like 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 why why do you act like that why do you think like that and because i think it's 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 super important because I, I, the the main feedback I get from people is that you make them feel comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And that's just because you're patient, you know, like, like you just, you see the situation, you let the situation fold out and you guide it where you need to, cool. uh, rather than just trying to force things or, or come across as like judgmental or whatnot. Like you're like, you're very unthreatening. Mm-hmm. So has that been, um, has that, that start because you know, you reviewed situations that you were in, you learned a lesson or that's just always how you've approached um, either teaching or playing? Uh, that's a good question. I've never thought about that, actually. Um, it's probably evolved out of situations I've been in where I wasn't always that patient necessarily. But I think I'm patient with everybody except for myself. You know, <laughs> I think that's what it is. Because if I'm like working with your students or any artist, I am not like, I don't mean this to sound bad. I'm not like, invested in that as a project i'm not like Mm -hmm. i need you to do this for me it's for them you know so it's like whatever pace they want to work even with aubrey i'm not i mean that's her thing that's not me it's not my name on the sign it's her so i'm patient because it's not my project Mm -hmm. if that makes sense totally even though it is well i sure i mean i try to i make everything i'm involved in my project and like emotionally and uh, all that, but, um, I, I'm not, I'm not as patient with myself to, you know, for, (laughs) for things that I'm trying to do. And I'm always trying to do 10 things at once and I'm trying to slow down and organize projects better and things like that. But yeah, I just, I think that comes back to what I was saying. Um, make the artist feel comfortable. You know, there's no need for me to, Mm -hmm. um, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't feel that. So yeah. And I'm sure you feel this way with students. You'll give as much as they will give. I'll always meet. If they want to go to the moon, I'll take them to the moon. Sure. If they are going to like practice five minutes a day, then you get what you get, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, but, but it's that, that comfortability that you create in the situation, which allows you to thrive and do your thing. Right. It's a very stoic approach to, to playing, which yeah. I've always appreciated that, you know, the, how you handled that. Cool. Yeah. Um, again, very, just, just unthreatening, just very cool. Good. So cool. the other angle that patience is seeing an opportunity with an artist mm-hmm at a very early stage and being patient with the development of the mm-hmm. artist. So I'm Aubrey, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I remember you talking about when you first started getting into the situation with her, how, I mean, where, where do you get the foresight to, to see that and, and go, you know what, this might not be the best paying gig right now. Mm-hmm. And I might even be willing to do gigs for free right now mm-hmm. because I think this is going to go here. Like, like how, do, how do you choose your investments, right? Because you're investing your time in, the, yeah. in a situation like this. So how an artist coming up, how would they choose, how would they choose their, their investment? Okay. I've always operated and continue to operate on multiple planes in my career, which is I operate on a money-making plane. I always have to have gigs that are providing an income. But once that's covered, I also always operate on a, Um, artistic plane so those things don't necessarily have to be the same thing for me they still don't you know and I I will as long as I can keep a baseline of well-paying gigs that are keeping me in town or whatever I have freedom I mean I I play drums full-time so I've you know I have time to do multiple things you know I 
if it's an artist I believe in, if I think it's, um, if I think they're really talented and fun to work with and a cool person, if I really like the music, I will, I don't have to, you know, make top dollar on every single thing necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but how I choose where to do that is it's really a case by case thing. And Aubrey was never, you know, the best paying thing necessarily. It was just, I believe in her to the ends of the earth artistically. And she's a super cool person to work with. We're good friends. And, um, it's just a cool project. I enjoy it. It, it allows me to do my thing. I told her actually the other day, cause we were wrapping up. It's been about a year and a half of pretty heavy duty Aubrey focused, you know, stuff in my life. And that's kind of coming to an end now. She's touring with some other projects. I'm home for the whole rest of the year. We don't really go out again until January, which is at this point about seven months from now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just told her, you know, our last show was in Paris of this last tour. And I told her I've never worked with somebody who I feel more uniquely suited to play for in, in many ways. I mean that. And so I've always uh, felt that with her. I have other people, you know, there's a, a person I met on the cruise that I'm going to do a recording for. And that's definitely not for the money because <laughs> mm-hmm. the money, she doesn't have a budget, you know? And sure. I said, Hey, I think you're great. I like working with you. She's going to be coming into LA. And I said, let's just get together and record, mm-hmm. you know? So I guess how I choose that is, um, I'm not always, I'm not necessarily very strategic in terms of like, I think this person is going to lead to something. It's more like I dig playing with this person and I like the music. Right. You know? So you're trusting your, your musical instincts. That's kind of what it is. And sometimes it never will lead anywhere, but it doesn't have to. It's, I need an, it may just be that I need an outlet for that aspect of my playing and I'll never make a dime, but I want to do it because I just love doing it. You, know? you mean like playing in a Led Zeppelin tribute band <laughs> there you that, go. that doesn't make any money? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been known to do that. <laughs> but no, no seriously, I, I, uh, it's been such a really cool thing to watch from afar, you know, to, to mm-hmm. see you start this project mm-hmm. and, and take it all the way up you know, to where it is right now. And the, I, I wanted to talk about that because I think it's so valuable for people to recognize that it, it's not always about the money for the gigs. And I mean, right. out here, uh, we're in Los Angeles. It, it's a hustle, right? Mm-hmm. It's very expensive to live here. You got to take your, your gigs and, and, you know, make your bread and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it, it blinds musicians to playing the long game, mm-hmm. right? And the long game doesn't necessarily need to be 10 years. It could be a year that right. if you if you believe that what the person the artist is doing or the situation it could be it could be a teaching situation could be anything um, is is the right thing that it's okay to gamble your time right yep. invest your yep. time yep. in that because the the investment might be tenfold what you would uh, what you would have gotten from doing one gig instead of doing the free gig. And I'll say the return on your investment is not necessarily money. Right. There are other returns on your investment, you know? Yeah. And I would go so far as to say no gig is ever about the money for me. Really, truly, you know? Um, I used to do this thing where I would think a little game I would play like with my wife or like some close friends. If you won $20 million in the lottery what gigs would you keep and what gigs would you ditch? <laughs> That's a good one. You know, yeah. I think about that. That's how I think. It's yeah, truly man. how I think. If I had $20 million, I would absolutely still play with Aubrey. Yeah. I would still do all these projects with Nick. I would still, I would still be doing everything I'm doing. Yeah. 
and the reason for that is I just, like I said earlier, I don't phone it in and I don't take projects that I don't like or don't believe in. You right. Know? Right. So, and not that you're not going to like move to LA in day one, that's the scenario for you. But over time I've, I just weed stuff out, you know, and I don't, I just don't say yes to things that I don't feel I can devote time to, or, you know, even with the Zeppelin thing, I mean, we were trying to book some stuff and I was like, man, I have to be realistic about the fact that I can't do it justice. I can't put in the time. Right. That's right. a very time consuming thing for me. Yeah. And I would rather bow out of something than phone it in and not be able to do it or do something I don't believe in. Cause it's, you know? it's, it's your, it, it's a representation of you, Yep. you know? And it's like, Oh, you always got to keep that, um, that stature that you set for yourself. You got to keep that in check, mm-hmm. you know? Cause if you, if it starts slipping at all, cracks get in the armor, you know? Yep. And, and then one thing leads to another. And then you're one, bad review away from, from being knocked down. Yep. And so another thing that Nick Petrillo and I just talked about, you know, having been on the road so much, we've had opportunity to have a lot of really great, deep philosophical musical conversations and things. We were talking about another artist that we work with and Nick made a comment that just the way he worded it and when he said it just really hit me. He said, talking about the two of us and some other people on our team, he said, this person is really lucky to be working with people who care about their reputation more than money. And that just like crystallized so many things in that statement. He's absolutely right. And I, I think that's a great way to think of yourself. Like me personally, I care way more about my reputation than I care about money, Hell like yeah. a million times more. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I um, will turn down a higher paying gig because I've already committed to somebody for that date. I'm losing money this other gig pays less, but I said, yes, you know, if I lose, I could gain a few hundred bucks or something like that. If I lose the part of my reputation where someone says, if you call him, he'll be at your gig. If I lose that, that was a poor choice. Right. You know, so it's thinking long-term and it's thinking about your reputation more than about money. Because if you operate like that, money will be a natural byproduct. Mm hmm. There's a quote I love. I don't know who said it. Um, if you take care of the music, the music will take care of you. Sure. That's been my guiding principle, really, for 20 years. If I first and foremost want to take care of the music. And if I operate my life prioritizing taking care of the music, the music will take care of me. And that's how it's playing out, you know. 20 years ago, you, you discovered that quote. How? I don't think I discovered that quote 20 years ago. Um I discovered that on Instagram or something. Well, but, but like, it just kind of put into perspective something I already felt. Right. Okay. So that, you know that's I mean? um, you know, still kind of yeah. fishing at that, like gotcha. that you already felt because like, it, it, it's obvious that this is ingrained in you. It, mm-hmm. Like this is part of your core operating system. Mm-hmm. Um, always, always been like that. Was it instilled from like when you were a kid or, or like a, like a first instructor or like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it can be overstated the impact of, um, I've mentioned him, before Kevin Giannino, my teacher yeah. in St. Louis. I went to him when I was, I guess, I probably would have been 15 because I remember my mom still had to drive me. He was kind of far out from where we lived. Yeah. But it was, I think my sophomore year of high school, I wanted to make the jazz band in my high school. And so I sucked, you know, I didn't know anything. Especially, sure. I was just, I just wanted to learn jazz to be a better rock drummer, like most people. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to my band director and he's like, well, if you really want to make it, maybe this would have been my freshman year going in a sophomore because usually it was like seniors only made this band. And I remember him saying, he's like, well, if you are serious and want to do it, there's only one guy to go to and you got to drive a half hour to get to him. It's this guy, Kevin up North. And so 
my parents thankfully were supportive and my mom drove me up there and then I ended up, you know, staying with him all the way through high school. And I think a lot of how I am is from him. You know, a lot of all of this stuff that we're talking about comes from him. Really. He's, that's just how he is. But you had picked it up and ran with it, you Mm -hmm. know, like, like you have really stuck with it. Have there been points where that's been challenged and how did you overcome that? If so, that that mindset has been challenged. Not really. I mean, because I just don't do it if it's not that. Right. So you make, you make the decision. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just got to stick, stick to your path. And it's, it gets back to like saying, turning down gigs, you know, Mm -hmm. or or opportunities. Like you got to say yes to the things that you really believe in and say no to the things that, you know, you can't deliver on. And that's really hard for emerging musicians um, you know, when they're trying to establish the career, they want to say yes to everything. Well, but, and I think that's important. I think there was definitely a time when I said yes to everything mm-hmm. for sure. If you're just now starting out, if you're new in town somewhere, if you're trying to get experience, mm-hmm. I totally advocate saying yes to literally everything. It, like free gigs, horrible gigs, bad musicians, anything. Because at that point to what we were saying earlier, the return on your investment is experience mm-hmm. because there's no substitute for experience. Mm-hmm. You don't just graduate music school and are this perfectly formed, wise sage of a musician. You know, I mean, we're all on our lifelong path. that's never going to end of trying to gain wisdom and experience and all that stuff. So, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's important to say yes to everything. I definitely did that for a long time, mm-hmm. a really long time. And, uh, at what point did you start building the filter for yourself? Just when time didn't allow for that anymore, Got it. there would be things um, bumping up against each other in the calendar and I had to start making decisions of what I wanted to prioritize, which is still how I operate today. I mean, I get scheduled conflicts all the time and it's really hard. It's hard with Aubrey to prioritize how much I'm gone versus how much I want to be in town doing everything with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a, it's always a juggling act. Okay. So the, the, just moved to LA version of, mm-hmm. of Dave Johnstone. Mm-hmm. And now the, the established, uh, Dave Johnstone mm-hmm. drummer, session guy, MD, everything, mm-hmm. wisdom advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you tell yourself when, when you, you first get to town, but now knowing what you know, what do you say to that guy? Um, don't get discouraged and don't give up and just keep doing what you're doing and do what you believe in. I suppose would be what I would say. Cool. Yeah. Um, so let's now get into what you're currently doing. I know we have a couple of things coming up, mm-hmm. um, some some big gigs that you're doing and some recording projects and some mm-hmm. video projects. You want to kind of talk, tell us what's, what's yeah, in so the pipeline? One thing, one thing I alluded to, you know, having met a lot of people through Dave Cause on that cruise, one guy I met on that cruise was a, a fellow drummer. There, there were tons of stages on that, tons of venues and tons of bands and everything. So there were probably 10 drummers on the cruise, all amazing world-class players. One of the guys I met was a drummer named Dave Hooper. And we were having lunch one day and I had been seeing him play. I'm a, I was a big fan. He's amazing. You're going to meet him. We're going to have him on the show here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Um, I was having lunch with him one day on the, on the boat. And I was telling him about a book project that I'm working on, which is, a transcription book of an album that I played on. I'm transcribing all my drum parts. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. I have this website 
that does drum videos of famous drummers, great drummers playing, and then I slow it to half speed. And the one component I'm missing of my website is that I want somebody to transcribe all of it, and then it'll be this complete package of uh, less yeah, vocabulary of licks, half speed, and transcriptions. And you, there's it's everything you need is right there. And he's like, maybe, you know, maybe you'd like to do some transcribing. I said, sure. And I sent him that right after lunch. I went up to my room and I emailed him a sample of my work. I sent him a transcription I had done and the song that goes with it. And, you know, he liked it. And he said, yeah, man, I want to I want to bring you on to do some stuff. So where it's at now is the website is called possiblechops.com. Mm-hmm. And we've got a ton of cool people. We've got Gary Novak, uh, Gordon Campbell, Jay Williams, Um, he brought me on as one of the instructors. So I have some videos up there now. And what I'm doing is going across the whole site and transcribing the whole library of all these videos. And I'm just chipping away at it every day, trying to, I'll send him, you know, four or five, six transcriptions every day. They're just like two or four measure long things. They're not, Mm -hmm. not crazy. Um, and now currently this week I'm transcribing myself, which is kind of weird (laughs) because I was just playing extemporaneously yeah. on video and then I have to go back and transcribe it, which is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's a cool thing. You, there's a free version of the site and then there's a premium version for nine ninety nine a month that unlocks basically twice as many videos and some of the more advanced stuff. So pretty much everyone has some free videos and everyone has some extra paid videos. And I really believe in it. I think it's a cool project and I don't think there's anything really like it out there where you're, the camera is right on top. You can see everything, all the hands, all the feet, what they're playing, and then seeing it in half speed and then seeing it written out. It's just a amazing learning tool and a way, not just for advanced players, but anybody to be adding really amazing vocabulary to their, to their playing. Cool. And tell us the site again. It's called possiblechops.com. Awesome. Okay. And then, you, I know you have a gig coming up, yeah? Yes, and actually another byproduct of the Dave Cos crew is funny enough. Oh. Um, on July 1st, it's a Monday night at Feinstein's at Vitello's in Studio City. I have booked my own night there. I, that's basically my home away from home. I play there all the time. Mm-hmm. I played there twice this past week with different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I finally have reached out and booked my own night there. And for this first one, I asked my friend Rebecca Jade, uh, who is an artist that I met again through Aubrey, she sang backgrounds on Aubrey's album and also was one of the artists on the cruise who we backed up and she did a Cole Porter tribute show on the cruise and she had just done a full album of this stuff with a guitarist named Peter Sprague from San Diego. So when we were on the cruise, this is again an example of, I don't think I'm going to make any money on this. I just dig the music and I dig Rebecca and I think it's going to be fun. And mm-hmm. I was just like, Hey, you got to bring the show to LA. Let's just do it. You know? And she's like, well, let me talk to Peter, you know, cause Peter wasn't on the cruise with us, but he's really kind of like her partner in this thing. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing the two of them up and I'm using my guys in the rhythm section. And the two of them are like the artists, basically the night is under their name mm-hmm. and it's going to be really fun. And I, this, the show hasn't been to LA. They've done it a bunch in San Diego and I'm hoping a lot of people come out to that because it's going to be a really cool night of music. And where can we get tickets or look into information for tickets? Uh, on the Vitello's website. 
Yep. On the go to Vitello's website and they have a calendar and ticket link and everything. And, and I'm sure going to be posting. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say yeah, you'll have it on your socials. If anyone, yeah, anyone who follows me online, I'll post it for sure. And then if people have been living under a rock, how would they follow you? <laughs> uh, DaveJohnstone.com is my website, and my handles on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is Johnstone Drums. The Sage Drummer. <laughs> this <laughs> sage. has been super fun. Uh, very <laughs> Thanks, insightful. Man. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, playing the long game, it's like so much respect for what you're doing because yeah, it's, man. it's working, no, thanks, no doubt. And I look forward to other friends that I meet in the Dave Johnson circle yeah. of friends coming up in season two. You'll be meeting some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to so, be cool. So any yeah. final words you want to leave our, our listeners with come to my gig on July 1st. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Yes>. all. <laughs> Listen to the Jedi master. He speaks wisdom. All right, cool. So that's all we got for everybody today. And we have some awesome shows coming down the pipeline now. Yes. And so we will be in touch with you and listen for those. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's episode to sign up for possible chops. Use the link in the show notes and use the coupon code podcast to receive one month of premium membership for free. Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast.